The Hamlet Podcast, episode 179. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanritty. The structure of this podcast has been consistent all the way along, approximately 20 lines per episode every week, but it feels almost violent to have to press pause and take breaks within the play's dramatic final scene, as we're doing now. Such is the petard on which I have hoisted myself, and so once again we survey the current wreckage. Gertrude has just passed away, telling Hamlet about the poison with her dying breath. Claudius is still trying to manage the situation, and Laertes is now on the ground, injured. This, at long last, is the moment in the play where Hamlet takes control. He doesn't think about it any more, he acts, and he seems to be doing the right thing, Hearing that his mother has been poisoned, he shouts it to the proverbial rafters. O villainy! Ho! Let the door be locked! Treachery! Seek it out! Bear in mind that Hamlet has called Claudius a villain no less than ten times in the play already, so of course it's villainy that he cries in response to his mother's death. He knows exactly who to blame, but of course he has to tread carefully since he's in a room full of Claudius's courtiers and cronies. But just as he's in this room, he knows the murderer is in there too. So he cries out for the doors to be locked. Not so that anybody can get in, but so that nobody can escape. Some productions and editions will have Osric run off stage here, bringing these instructions to the rest of the castle. Now it's a death match. Treachery, Hamlet cries, since now the seal has been broken. Blood has been drawn on both sides, and indeed a life has been lost. He instructs the room, seek it out. Find out who's responsible for this treachery and find out where it's come from. Laertes answers immediately. It is here, Hamlet. Hamlet, thou art slain. No medicine in the world can do thee good. In thee there is not half an hour of life. The treacherous instrument is in thy hand, unbated and envenomed. The foul practice hath turned itself on me. Lo, here I lie, never to rise again. Thy mother's poisoned. I can no more. The king. The king's to blame. Last time I mentioned how I think Laertes gets a bit of a redemption at the end of the play, and this speech would seem to confirm this. He explains that this treachery is in part from him, and that Hamlet is a dead man walking. The lines may seem familiar because they are so well-constructed and so famous, but it's quite an extraordinary thing to say, and indeed to have to process when one hears it. Hamlet, thou art slain. No medicine in the world can do thee good. In thee there is not half an hour of life. There's still no hope of an antidote to this awful poison, and so it's just a matter of time before it does its job and kills Hamlet. Laertes explains that the treacherous instrument, the poisoned sword, is the one in Hamlet's hand, unbated and envenomed. Now, all of that sword tracking needs to continue at least to this point. For the sake of the actor delivering this line, it is essential that the killing sword is still in Hamlet's hands. For the sake of any pedants or doctors in the audience, it might be wise to gauge the severity of the wounds the two men inflict on each other. Laertes begins to suffer the effects of this poison before Hamlet does, despite the fact that Hamlet is technically poisoned first. 
all of this is of course for dramatic effect and Shakespeare does know what he's doing but then if you leave an audience wondering about the details this fine perhaps you have bigger problems with your show. Meanwhile Laertes is definitely starting to feel the effects of this grim potion as he ruefully points out that the foul practice, this poison trap, has turned itself on him. It's been quite a while since we've had any little padding words that help with the metre, but here we get a little low thrown in. It keeps Laertes in perfect pentameter, and so there's room for him to start to seem breathless as he gets his words out and the poison takes effect. Shakespeare very carefully gauges the pentameter here, and it's very metrical. He speaks in a lot of words that are just one syllable, so that there's room to slow down. He's explaining that he's lying there, never to rise again. He has even less than that half hour of life that Hamlet can hope for. And with his end in sight, he starts really telling the truth and explains that yes, indeed, Gertrude was poisoned. I can no more, he says. Now, this could be that he can't speak any more without difficulty, or that he can't play Claudia's game any more, or hide the truth any more, or even breathe any more, God love him. As it all becomes too much for him, he points the finger at Claudius. The king, he says the kings to blame. Things move lightning fast now as Hamlet learns just how deep Claudius' treachery has run and that this whole fencing charade was in fact an assassination. But he's still holding the weapon and so, uncharacteristically perhaps, he acts. He says, the point, envenomed too, then venom to thy work. And with the envenomed point, he wounds Claudius. A great many years ago, I heard an actor recounting his recollection of a very passionate lecture which sought to prove that this line is all the evidence we need that in fact we should be using the first quarto version of to be or not to be, because in that Hamlet says to be or not to be, I there's the point. And now when he finally chooses to act rather than not, he exclaims the point. It was a brilliant comic takedown performance of a rather fanciful idea, You're welcome to draw your own conclusions on the matter, but I can't really see the play's most famous line being changed on this account. Hamlet stabs Claudius. There's a huge amount of potential here, since the poison is so deadly. Hamlet could certainly stab Claudius and all but guarantee his death, or he could just scratch him, since presumably, once you get a drop of this stuff into your system, you'll know all about it. It's a moment to watch for in any production. Of course, once the king's royal person has been attacked, the court shouts treason, treason. Although, even in this, there's room for interpretation. If perhaps the court is sympathetic to Hamlet, the treason that they're shouting about could be a response to the news that Claudius is behind the poisoning and the deaths of the queen and very soon, it seems, the prince. However the court seems to be reacting, Claudius addresses them. Even now, he plays it cool and says... Oh, yet defend me, friends, I am but hurt. I'm all right, he's saying. Please do defend me, but it's just an injury. I'm not dead or anything. Of course, you can't kill evil that easily. Hamlet has spent the entire play thinking about how to deal with his uncle, whether to confront or ensnare or expose or execute him. He's hummed and hawed and waited for the right opportunity to act, and rather shockingly, it comes right now. He cries... Here, thou incestuous, murderous, damned Dane, drink off this poison. Is thy union here? 
follow my mother. Hamlet picks up the cup that poisoned Gertrude and forces the rest of its contents down Claudia's throat. He even checks to see if the showy pearl of which Claudia's made such a big deal is still in there. Of course, now Hamlet is playing with the word union because Claudius is going to be reunited with Gertrude in this particular kind of death. Here, too, there's any number of ways that Hamlet can attack Claudius, choking, suffocating, strangling even, with the cup, with the pearl and with his bare hands. There's a neatness to the revenge. Hamlet ensures that Claudius dies in exactly the same way that Gertrude did, so that he very much follows his mother. Hamlet denounces the king as incestuous, murderous and damned. Nobody has been talking about the incest issue here at court since it was maybe just too awkward, but Hamlet finally goes for it and acknowledges it. Murderous too. Claudius has been denounced as the architect of this poisoning scheme that is going to take many more victims than originally planned. And damned, well sure. If Claudius is anything, he's a villain. One of the endless mysteries of this play, to me at least, is that even here, even after all of this, even in the heat of this moment, Hamlet does not mention his own father's murder. He never manages to confront Claudius outright. Maybe it's contained within the word murderous, or maybe even within damned, but it still bugs me. Even at this huge moment, where he does what we've been anticipating all along and he kills the king, he doesn't mention it. He does kill Claudius, but doesn't it feel more like he's avenging his mother? The neatness of the revenge, the exact same method of murder, it seems to be about Gertrude way more than about old Hamlet. Of course, maybe I'm splitting hairs here. The important thing is that Claudius now dies. As a result of this, in this little moment, even though nobody really acknowledges it, Hamlet becomes the de facto king of Denmark. There is the grim detail that Laertes mentioned, that Hamlet's minutes are numbered, and it's Laertes who now speaks again. He actually finishes Hamlet's line of verse. Hamlet says, follow my mother, and Laertes picks up, he is justly served. It is a poison tempered by himself. Exchange forgiveness with me, noble Hamlet. Mine and my father's death come not upon thee, nor thine on me. Laertes confirms that Claudius did have it coming. He is justly served, killed by the poison that he himself tempered, or, rather more specifically, arranged. Technically it was Laertes that bought this unction from that mountebank, but it was certainly Claudius that orchestrated this entire scene. With his last breath, Laertes asks for Hamlet's forgiveness. In asking that they exchange it, he's also offering his own forgiveness to Hamlet, and he calls him noble for good measure, since he is now the king. As he puts it, mine and my father's death come not upon thee nor thine on me. He's forgiving Hamlet for having inadvertently killed both Polonius and now Laertes himself, and calls Hamlet's own forgiveness on himself for having stabbed him with the fatal poison. There's room for quite a rapprochement here between the two young men. The two have had such similar but contrasting experiences throughout the play, and now both find themselves facing death together. They've both lost several family members, and are both victims of Claudius's treachery. The fact that they can forgive each other in these awful moments is quite a beautiful scene, in contrast to the killing and final silencing of Claudius. 
and now Laertes dies with Hamlet by his side. There's just a little bit of peace for both of them in this. I'm very interested in Hamlet's behaviour in this stunned and silent aftermath of Claudius's death. As I mentioned, he is the de facto king of Denmark at this moment, and his very first act will probably be an acknowledgement that he has forgiven Laertes. But forgiving somebody for having killed you before you die is surely a strange process to go through, so we'll hold off here and find out what's going on in the next episode. Thank you as ever for your company, and do be sure to check out the show notes for this episode at thehamletpodcast.com. I'll be back next week, and until then, do take care.